right, if you have your Bibles, you can open them with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans, the 8th chapter. I, I, I realize I say stuff like this and, and getting into a message, I want to look at you and first thing I wrote down on the top of my sheet is let's just talk a minute. And I've already been talking, so I, it's got nothing to do with what I've been saying. I just want to talk about a minute for about what I want to say today. And um, I realize as I get to talking, I'll get beyond talking and start preaching. I understand that. That's just who I am. And I'm sorry that that's who I am, but that's how I am. And I'm trying to reprogram my mind to be calm and cool and collected all the time. Good luck. Would everybody agree with me when I look at you and say when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and he comes into our heart, the Bible is very clear that we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. We have all kinds of mindsets and things that we have. Some of us have been a Christian in a right relationship with God for a long time, and we have developed certain mindsets. But really and truly, the Bible declares that when we accept Christ, we have a brand new identity. We are not the same person we were when we were living in a sin condition. We were not the same person that we were as, as what we would call an old man. We are brand new creatures in Christ. I've preached on that for years. Now, today, I want you and I to hear me say that we need to learn how to live and think in light of who God says we are. You all know I've had this thing, I do not like people saying I'm a sinner because you're not a sinner. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are no longer a sinner. You are a saint of God. You are a child of God. You're in the family of God. I've, I've said that over and over. So when you accept Christ into your heart, and we're not supposed to judge each other after the flesh or after their behavior, and, and we don't always walk according to that, but, but you know, as, as a new creation, we need to live and think in light of who God says we are, not who we say we are or who other people says we are, and especially not what the world says we are. You know, we listen to way too much news and we, we put tags like uh, um, right-wing, conservatives. I'm not a right-wing, I'm not a conservative, I'm a believer in Jesus. I just believe God's Word. I don't like those tags that we put on people. And, see, I'm not talking, am I? I'm preaching. In order for us to live and think the way we should live and think, we have to reprogram our mind. Now listen carefully to me. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says... For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, think about this. He's talking about your mind being set on fleshly things. Well, you know, and I know, we have to think about feeding our flesh, taking care of our bodies, and all those kinds of things. It's not what he's talking about here. That's not, that's not what he's into, so don't get together. He's talking about how we begin to not just be totally controlled by what the flesh needs and says, but we have to begin as a new creation to begin to understand what your spiritual needs are. Listen to me say this. You are a spirit. You possess a soul, and your soul and your spirit is housed in this body. 
You are the person you are on the inside. How, how many of you know when you sit down and have talk with yourselves that you know everybody doesn't judge you right because you're not the person that some people think you are? Some of you, I have hurts and pains and aches and things I wrestle with with me that I, I don't tell everybody else about. Listen to me. I know some things about me that I don't want any of you to know about. Why? Because I don't want you to misjudge. I want to think on spiritual things. Now watch. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, we're going to come back to that, but let me just kind of set the stage here for you a moment. Two basic mindsets he's talking about here in Romans. The mindset on the flesh and the mindset on the spirit. Paul here said in verse 6, to be fleshly minded is death. To be spirit minded leads to life and peace. Fleshly minded, death. Spirit, life, life and peace. Let me ask you a question. Which would you rather have, life and peace or death? Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Verse 7 of Romans 8 says this, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject, the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Now, I want to read this to you from the Passion Bible, all of these verses that I just read, and you can follow along and listen as I read this. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the sense and reason of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to His direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. Now, the difference between a perpetually defeated believer and a perpetually victorious believer is their mindset. Have you all ever been around somebody that no matter what's happened, they're negative about it, it's always negative, they're down, they're upset, they're, I mean, you know, I, I quit watching the news because I couldn't find anybody who was always positive. But you have Christians, you have people who, are, who, who, who just are negative about everything, and then you have those who are, who are positive. The battle for your mind is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And listen to me, you are both. You are flesh and you are spirit. Your soul and spirit is housed in your body of flesh. And the battle that you deal with here in the mind, you say things like, well, the Bible says by his stripes I'm healed, but I got sore, got a lot of pain to be healed. Battles you right here. 
I know Jesus said that I'm saved, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, and, and, and I can, uh, uh, I'm supposed to be living right, but I'm going to tell you something, I'm struggling every day of my life to say and do the right thing and live the way I ought to live. And this battle is always raging in the mind. And at some point, we've got to learn some things. Dave did a phenomenal job a couple of weeks ago of just presenting the subconscious mind and the mind, and, and, he, and he just got things churning inside of me. But if we can understand that the battle for your mind is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Now, watch this. If you turn on a computer and you're looking at the screen of the computer, what comes on the screen is something that is programmed in the memory, if I could say it that way, of the computer. There's something in the computer and all you can see on the screen is what's in the computer. Now listen to me. If you want to change what's on the screen, you can play with the screen and focus on the screen and do all this stuff with the screen. You can reboot the computer, but whatever's on the inside that's there, that's all it's showing is what's there, what's in its memory. There's a whole lot of us Christians that don't like what is coming on the screens of our lives. We don't always like how we behave, how we conduct ourselves, the way we express ourselves or show We don't like that person that we are. Sometimes we realize that our flesh is in control of how we behave and things we do and things we say. And as a Christian, there are times that I realize my flesh has too much authority in my life. Am I the only one? Y'all, none of y'all deal with your flesh, do you? And I've learned that too many of us try to just readjust the screen or reboot the screen instead of really reprogramming our minds. Hear me say this, your flesh is unredeemed. Your flesh isn't a Christian. Your flesh isn't saved. What do you mean? What are you saying, Pastor? Well, it's beyond reclamation. And Scripture teaches, and I don't want to run down this trail very long or, or, or deal with it, but when Christ died, you died, and your flesh is headed for death. To be fleshly minded is death. Listen to me. After Jesus died, took his blood, as I preached last week, into the mercy seat in heaven itself, and he went to hell and made an open spectacle of everything that the devil had done and he preached to the Old Testament saints. All of those Old Testament people who believed in Jesus came out of Sheol and came into the very presence of Almighty God. That power of resurrection was so great, people even was resurrected physically in the streets of Jerusalem and were walking around, witnessed, and they knew they were dead. Think about how you'd be seeing somebody who died two weeks ago. They are in a new place. Now listen. But their body is still dead. When you and I die, our spirit and soul steps into another dimension called the heavenly dimension. We step out of this body, but we're still alive and we're in the presence of God. We're, 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 we're immediately there with Him. Now, your fleshly carnal mind, according to Romans 8 verses 7 and 8, says that your carnal mind is enmity 
against God. It says it's not subject to the law of God, and it can't be. That's why the law was never designed to work in the Old Testament, because you'll, you'll never have enough rules to keep your flesh in submission. Now, I hope I can illustrate this in a way that you get it. Let's imagine for a moment that you're in an army and you're in a war as a person in the army. You're in the middle of this fierce war and you want to send a message to the enemy that you're in war with. Everybody with me? Now, here's the message that you want to send to the enemy that you're in war with. You all don't need to be so hostile. Why don't you stop trying to take our territory and conquer us? You guys need to focus on your attitude. Talking to your enemies. By the way, you guys need to be a little nicer and more cooperative. What do you think your enemy would think about that? Hmm? That's exactly the message that Christians are sending to their flesh when they try in their own strength to conquer their flesh. It's what we do every day. We're spending most of our time sending a message to our flesh, and here's what we say. We word it like this. You got to try harder. You got to make resolutions. You got to promise to quit doing this. Stop being addicted to that. Start doing better. Now listen to me. Trying to stop doing things that we would say sin or that we shouldn't do Stopping those things and doing the way most of us try to do it. But when you try to reprogram your flesh, listen carefully, when you try to reprogram your flesh to get rid of your sin, it's like a person who's on a diet going into an ice cream shop to learn what he needs to do to not eat ice cream. I love ice cream. I don't need to eat ice cream. There was a time I was addicted to ice cream. And if I go in an ice cream shop, I find out I still am. I passed a lady at the four-way stop in Lewisburg this week and she went by licking a big ice cream and I thought, where'd she get that? <laughs> I mean, it was just like, da-da-da-da-da. Now listen to me. If you don't want to eat ice cream, you need to avoid the ice cream shops. Are you listening to me? Now, trying to get a point across, I want you to just stick with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now, everybody, just let me, let me try to say When you try to tell your flesh what it's going to do, discipline is one thing, and you teach your flesh, and you understand what it is to discipline your flesh. You know, but, but, but you're not going to whip your flesh with your flesh. Your flesh is not going. You get two people's flesh going against each other, they're in major trouble. And he's saying, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but watch this, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now watch this next phrase. And bring every, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Since the battle with the flesh is not going to be won with fleshly weapons, you might as well just try not to ever use fleshly weapons. The weapons of our warfare in this battle for the mind to be spiritually minded instead of fleshly minded Spiritually minded instead of fleshly minded, the battle here is to understand there's nothing in your flesh to help us live victorious lives and draw us closer to the Lord because the battle is not in your flesh, the battle's in your mind. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let me just give you quickly, and then I'm going to move on. But the definition of a stronghold. A stronghold is a, a negative, destructive pattern of thinking that Satan has built in our minds. Listen to this. Or tradition has built into our minds. Or society has built in our minds. Or our culture has built into our minds. Or our family has built into our minds. Or the church you grew up in has built into your mind. It's what a stronghold is. Y'all know how many strongholds we have, things we believe that aren't even really the way it really is in God's eyes? Now listen to me. Strongholds are patterns of thinking, not just a fleeting thought. They're patterns of thinking. Do you know what I believe the most powerful thing in a person's life is? This is my view, my opinion. I think your thoughts are one of the most powerful things you possess in your life. If you don't cast down thoughts, if you don't cast down imaginations, if you don't cast down fear, if you don't cast down all of the things that come against you, you can, you can worry yourself till your physical body becomes nauseous. You can worry yourself until your physical body becomes sick. You can worry yourself because of thoughts until your flesh is out of control. Your anger gets out of control. Why? Because of the thought patterns that you allow to run and control your life. Your thoughts are in control of your flesh. But listen to me. Your thoughts are also in control of your spirit. Fleshly minded is death. Spiritually minded is life and peace. How many of you prefer life and peace to death? I do. Now follow me. I really believe that it's our thinking that determines our life. Let me, let me give you an example. The Bible says that Jesus is the king of kings. You see, the way most of us were raised and taught in church and in society, when we think he's the king of kings, we think that that means Jesus is the king over all of the kings of the earth of different things. But the Bible says that you and I are kings and priests unto God. Jesus is the king of 
kings, which is us, nowhere does Scripture say he is the king of slaves. But if you think you're a slave and you believe you're a slave and you're not ruling and reigning with him but you are just serving him and all you do is serve him, then you don't understand your complete and total function with God. So you begin to think as a slave, then you, 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 you act as a slave, you behave as a slave and you see yourself. Nowhere does the Bible say Jesus is the king of slaves. It says he is the king of kings. Look at somebody and say, Hello, king. What are you saying? He is king of rulers who reign with him according to his purpose. Now, stay with me. Everybody okay? Anybody's napping beside you? Punch him real quick, okay? All right. Now follow me here for a moment. God's plan for humanity is that each one of us become a king or a ruler over an area that goes along with our gifting. Every one of us have gifts that have been given to us by God. We have talents that have been given to us. And he wants us to reign, rule and reign with him in those areas. So I'm believing, I'm thinking our problem, our problem is not so much a religious problem as it is a thought problem. If you believe you're inadequate, not enough, unable to achieve, can't do something, you can't live right, you can't do something, if you believe that, guess what your performance will be? what you're believing, what you're thinking. Now, can I tell you what His Word is? You know what this is? His Word is His thoughts. If you want to know what God's thinking about something, go to His Word. If you go to his word, you'll discover what his thoughts are on something. When you rightly interpret the word of God and you rightly believe the word of God and you get your life in line with the word of God, you're thinking the thoughts of God because the word of God is the thoughts of God. In John chapter 1, John 1, watch this, beginning at verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. Now follow me here just a moment. The word here for in the beginning was the word is the word logos, which is what the Bible is. Jesus was made flesh. Jesus was Christ, the Son of God. He is expressing himself and his purposes to us. So what are you saying? Well, the Creator, through the Word of God, sent his thoughts to us. And it's our thinking, our thinking that creates life. Now, when our thoughts are correct, our attitudes will be transformed because what God wants to do is get His thinking into our thinking. I really believe that Jesus came to give us Original thoughts. Now, follow me for just a moment. Last week I talked about Jesus came and sat, satisfied the penalty for sin. He came and conquered sin. He came and no more was the old covenant into being. The stone was rolled away. The covenant was rolled away. He came out with resurrection life. He took his own blood into the most holy place 
I did as good a job as I know how to do of trying to say that the sins for the entire world have been paid by the blood of Jesus and we are now new creation in Christ Jesus. We're a brand new group of people that doesn't exist on the planet uh, uh, because God is alive on the inside of us and he walks with us, he talks with us. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He paid the penalty. He provided complete forgiveness from us. He repaired all of the internal damage that was going on in our minds. Salvation is complete. It is finished. Jesus has finished the work. How many of you understand that? Now, Jesus gave a promise to mankind. Now let me just stop here a moment and let's go back. When God made man in the Garden of Eden in Genesis, he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have what? What's the word? Dominion over everything on the earth. That's what he made us for. Can I help you with something? He made us in heaven. Oh, the Garden of Eden was heaven, folks. Make no mistake about it. And sin separated us from that dimension. That dimension is still there, but watch. He set man on earth to have what? Dominion. Adam blew it. We were kicked out of the garden. Jesus came, restored every single thing. And here's what's interesting to me. Jesus said, it is finished. I've done the work. Now that I've done the work, somebody's coming after me called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to take up residence on the inside of you because when he takes up residence on the inside of you, What's he going to give you power? What's he go I gave you the answer right there. What's he going to give you? What does the Holy Spirit, when he came on the day of Pentecost, he gave us power to take dominion that he originally put us here for so that we could have the power to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to be everything Jesus Christ is. We've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Jesus did not look at the disciples and say, I'm dying I'm going to give my life. I'm going to pay for sin so you can go to heaven. Nowhere does it say that. But his resurrection guaranteed it for everybody who believed in him. Heaven is just a part of all we get. What he saved us for was to begin to walk as Jesus would walk in dominion over all the earth. Our religion hasn't taught us that. Our society doesn't agree with that. The culture that we live in says everybody ought to be weird. Help me, Lord. Jesus was looking at him. He said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send one who's just like me, and he's going to take up residence on the outside of you. I'm on the outside. You've seen me out here doing signs, wonders, and miracles. I've been walking around this earth in power and authority, and when I leave, he's going to come back, and he's going to take up residence on the inside of you, and you're going to be walking around in the same power and authority. You will be endued with power from on high. Listen to me. The ultimate purpose of Christ's death and resurrection at Calvary was to return power back to the creation, back to the man that God created so that he could fulfill God's intention for him on earth. We have been reconnected. We have been restored. Jesus is the pattern son, and we should pattern our lives just like Jesus. All right.
I'm about ready to wrap this up, but I want to make a couple of more impactful statements, I hope. Talking about the next generation, I'm talking about what are we going to do to impact the young people. I know I could talk for days about what's the purpose of the church, but in light of what we're doing, what should our thought pattern be about what the purpose of the church is? The church should be instilling, implementing right thought patterns into the lives of the people of God. Just hang with me a minute. See, here's the difficult part for the church. Here's the difficult part that I deal with. How do I instill the software of a renewed mind into the hearts and minds of believers. I'm not interested in programming you to be a Pentecostal, a Baptist, a Methodist, a Catholic, or something else. Most of us have been installed with religious software. I was trying to I have my daddy's iPad. I was trying to install something on dad's iPad the other day. And it was saying, you don't have enough memory for it. And I thought, Dad, you trying to tell me something? So I said, what do I do? And they said, well, you're going to have to delete some, delete some of the stuff you got on there. So I figured as I go through all of the apps that's on there, and I looked at something that I haven't even been open since Dad died, Chances are, I'm probably not going to open it. So I started deleting things that were there. Why? To make room for what I wanted installed that I could use on that iPad. Some of you need to delete your past sins and get them off of your hardware. Why? You need all the room you can to reprogram this thing for you to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. They're no longer there. Well, listen to me. What you did 25 years ago doesn't matter. One iota to God and it shouldn't matter to you. What you did last week shouldn't matter to you. Why? We have forgiveness of our sins. You made a mistake. Get over it. How do we get the next generation and ourselves thinking right. We've got to transform our thoughts. In Romans chapter 12, Romans 12, verse 2. I'm going to read this to you in three different translations. Romans 12, verse 2 in the New King James Version says, and do not be conformed to this world. Look at me. Listen to me. All any of the news channels and the TV shows right now are trying to do is to conform your way of thinking to what they believe. Preacher, are you saying we shouldn't watch TV? Well, that's totally up to you. But if you want to reprogram your mind, you need to start reading the Word of God a little more. Listening to the Bible be played. I'm not saying become a religious fanatic. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying keep up with current events. 
but don't let anybody on the planet in our society tell you how you're supposed to think as a child of God. Why don't we let God tell us how we're supposed to think? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me read this to you from the Passion. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Guys, it's about how we're thinking. Look at the Message Bible. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you and the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you, that you fit in. I have seen some of you write some things on Facebook where you begin to see God moving and working in things in your lives. But if you're not looking for God working and operating in your lives or your children's lives, you'll never find Him. But He walks with us every day. He lives with us every day. We've got to start thinking, what's God doing in my life? Somehow... Some way, we've got to get the message. The purpose of mining your existence is to have dominion over the earth. But the church has been so focused on getting out of here and going to heaven they ain't taking dominion over anything. There's times I feel overwhelmed by what God wants the church to do. But I'm not going to quit till I die. I'm going after raising a generation. This generation may not do it, but there's going to be a generation that rises up and realizes who they are and what they can do and the authority that's theirs. And they're going to have dominion like God wanted us to have dominion. What do you mean? We were born to rule. He is the king of kings. Let me ask you a question. What would happen... If you took a brand new computer, perfect in every way, and loaded it with old software. Anybody know? Stand up and tell them real loud, Dave, what would happen if we, uh, if we took a brand new computer and loaded it with... Huh? I... Wouldn't work right. Might not work at all. No place to put the floppy disk. Now listen to me. Hear me. When you accepted Christ every day, you are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Every day, you are alive to Him. Old things are passed away. All things are forgiven. Every moment when you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. All you got to do is say, I'm sorry. If you've done somebody wrong, you look at them and say, you're sorry. If they don't forgive you, that's their problem, not yours. But we keep reprogramming ourselves with out-of-date software. 
Now, y'all know I'm preaching better than you're acting, don't you? <laughs> what do you mean? That's why he said in Scripture, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If I could look at every one of you, I would say to you, listen, why don't you start practicing listening to the Holy Spirit talking to you? I'm dumbfounded by how many Christians talk about what the devil's saying and what the devil's doing, and they know the devil's voice by heart, but they act like they can never hear God. Now tell me how silly that is. You know, we do something, oh, the devil made me do it. Start practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. Some of you have heard me say this. For years, I have practiced. When I'm going somewhere and I'm going to be by myself, I will clean out my right front seat because it normally needs cleaned out. I will come around the car. I will open the door. I ask the Lord to sit there. I even sometimes buckle the seat belt and come around and get in. And I drive wherever I'm going believing he's sitting there with me and I'm talking to him. And if I don't hear him real quick, I'm say, I'll look over and say, you're acting like my wife today, Lord. You got nothing to say? Oh, and I really get a good answer from him then because I know she taught me. You ain't really listening to what I got to say anyway. And I've heard him say that a lot of times. Because you know what? We don't always want to hear what he's got to say to us. Because we love ourselves too much. And we want to do what we want to do most of the time. Please hear my heart. I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm not trying to criticize anybody. I'm just simply saying we need to practice his presence. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now listen to me. Dave brought this up the other day. Some people just want to listen. They don't want to hear. Y'all know there's a difference. Some people just want to listen. They don't want to hear. The only way to get things into the subconscious mind, listen to me, the only way to get things into the subconscious mind is by the Word of God, by prayer and repetition. Y'all know what a download is? If you want an app, you got to have enough room for it and you download it. My prayer for us today is that we open up our heart and clean out anything and delete anything in our lives that shouldn't be there. Not because it's wrong or it'll send you to hell, because you need, you need and I need to download the God app. The image of Jesus Christ app. We need to download a personal, intimate, inner relationship with the Holy Spirit. So if you would right now, I'd like you to say this with me. Dear Lord, I'm asking you to help me to comprehend and understand how to download your life into my life. Your spirit into my spirit. Your power into my being. I want to be everything you designed me to be. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. 
I want to live with you now and forever. Come in, Lord Jesus. Take up your residence in me. When I finally got enough stuff off my computer that I could download what I wanted to download, there was a little dot came up there, a little square thing, and then this thing started coming, going all the way around a little circle. Y'all ever done that and watch that thing? And I sat there and I thought that thing was gonna be forever. Matter of fact, it was so slow, I just said, ah, I got other stuff to do. I can't sit here and watch a dot. But I got up and went about what I needed to do and it was actually a couple hours later I come back and it was on there. I'm believing that that prayer we just prayed hit the button. And over the next hour or two, next day or two, the next week or two, it may be a little while before the processing and the download fully comprehends and takes place. But I'm believing that some of us will get it. You can have personal, intimate relationship with God and power, power over all the power of the enemy. But it's spiritual power and it's a spiritual mindset. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for this beautiful group of people. Lord, I, I can't force a download, but I believe there are some folks here today who genuinely want to receive a download. Lord, I don't want religion. I don't want just what anybody else has. I want a personal, authentic relationship with you operating in our lives. And Lord, there's people here who have authentic relationships with you and they have downloaded your spirit into their lives and, and they're misjudged and they're mishandled and they're misrepresented and we know that and you know that, but you said that would happen. The world would judge us wrong. But give us the boldness and the tenacity to just walk with you and stand with you. Life isn't fair. The world isn't fair. But you are fair and real and alive. And I thank you, Lord, for living in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, would you?